Hey nerds, welcome to episode 449 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is just Adam today, and I'm really excited for you to take a listen to this interview that I did with Alex Astor, who is the debut author of the book Emblem Island, Curse of the Night Witch. That's a really fun middle grade YA uh, story of that's it's like an adventure tale that you're really just going to love. She was so fabulous to chat with and we get into the book and how she went about writing this, this first story. And and what's really great about it. Um, she's a Latinx author and not only is the story based on like rooted in these stories that she would hear when, when she was growing up, but she got to write her own, um, kind of folk tales and, and stories within the book that play a really important part of it. And, um, it just, it's a really great own voices, story that I think you're going to love. Um, I think I was just about the first person to ever interview Alex about this book. And then what blew me away is just how like polished and professional and fantastic she was. A lot of times when you chat with debut authors, um, they're wonderful, but they are a little nervous or not really sure how to explain their book and everything like that. And it was just like, it was just like talking to a polished professional. Um, Alex is wonderful. Her book is fabulous. It's gotten a number of uh, star reviews and, uh, you know, put a bunch of different lists. And so I say, uh, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more from her. And, and this, like, like I said, I just can't say enough about Curse of the Night, which is a really, really, really fun book. You're going to love it. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always find us at professionalbooknerds.com. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Uh, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. Um, and before I let you get to this interview, I just want to just say one quick note. Um, we're not a political podcast, and we you know we know that we're just a podcast here offering book recommendations and, and author uh, interviews and things of that nature. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff going on around the world and our country and in the United States specifically this this week and beyond it's it's bigger than politics though and I am definitely not a defining voice to speak eloquently on everything going on but if you want some people who uh, can speak to everything going on and, and do it incredibly well uh, there's a couple of episodes that we had in the past that I think might help um, first one is episode 425 with Dr. Eber Bax Kendi and Jason Reynolds uh, and then the other one is uh, episode 419 with Layla F. Saad. Um, it's just, there'll be really great defining voices about, you know, things that are going on right now and have been going on for, for years, not just in the United States, but all around the world. Uh, Dr. Dr. Kendi and Jason Reynolds combined together to work on the book, uh, Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and, and You, and then uh, Layla Afsad is the uh, New York Times bestselling writer of Me and White Supremacy. So if you're looking for some people who uh, sp- you know, can speak really, really incredibly and thoughtfully on a lot of the things going on in the world, there, there's some people to definitely check out. And, and if you want to hear past episodes with them of this podcast, um, those are the ones you're going to want to check out. So again, I didn't want to get political or anything like that, but I hope you guys are staying safe and looking out for each other. Uh, we're thinking of everybody out there. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna preach anymore or anything along those lines. I will let you get to this conversation with Alex Astor on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
Hey everybody, it's Adam and I am still sitting here in Philadelphia at the American Library Association and I am so excited to be sitting next to debut author Alex Astor who's, who recently graduated from college and writes stories based on the Colombian myths and legends that she grew up hearing from her grandmother. Her first novel, Curse of the Night Witch, is fantastic and it comes out this June. Alex, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast. Oh, this, so. oh, this is like the very yeah. first one? Oh, that makes me so... Yeah. Okay, we'll have a lot of fun. Okay, perfect. So we always love starting our episodes by having the author kind of introduce our audience to the book, mainly because I don't want to give away too much uh-huh. of the plot. Uh, so can you kind of introduce everybody to what your book's all about? Of course. Um, so it's called Emblem Island, Curse of the Night Witch. It's the first in a series. And as you mentioned, it's based off of Latinx myths that I grew up hearing from my Colombian grandmother. And it's set in the world of Emblem Island, where everyone is born with markings on their skin that represent their fate and their talents. So everyone has a lifeline that runs across their hands and it shows how long their life will be, if it will be a hard life or an easy life. And everyone is also born with a symbol that represents their talent or superpower. So the main character, Tor Luna, hates his markings. His um, lifeline is really boring and he doesn't like his emblem. So he's a born leader like his mother, who's the chiefess of their village. And he doesn't want to lead anyone. He wants to do something completely different with his life. So on New Year's Eve, which is the annual ceremony where everyone can make a wish in the hopes that it's granted in the new year, he wishes for a different emblem. And the next morning, when he wakes up, instead of his wish coming true, he has been cursed, Mm -hmm. and his lifeline has been reduced to a tiny little stub. So um, he must cross Emblem Island for the first time in search of the only person who can reverse the deadly curse. That's the Night Witch Uh um, from the title. And so he has to do so with his two friends, and the only way that he can find the Night Witch is using an ancient book of legends and he will encounter monsters from those same legends on his way to the Night Witch. And those legends, actually, um, most of them are based on Latinx myths, like Mm -hmm. La Llorona, La Ciguapa, and um, you can't see it, this is a podcast, but um, we actually put the stories in between the chapters. That's amazing. So it it looks pretty cool. So it's like a book within a book. And so those, I think I saw, didn't, did you, you wrote, like all of them, yes. now I'm gonna see you wrote the whole thing's a book. But you came up with those yourself, right? Yes, so, they, I wrote all of them. Some of the monsters are based off of, like, yeah. La Llorona is the weeping woman mm-hmm. in the story. Um, and so a few of them are basically translations of those myths, mm-hmm. but they kind of have the Emblem Island twist. So mm-hmm. in these stories, these um, monsters have emblems, and obviously that's not a part of yeah. <laughs> Latinx culture because right. it's a world I made up, but uh-huh. yeah. No, I, so that had to be a lot of fun to not only be creating this novel but also while you're working on the novel being able to create these new myths and legends like that had to be almost like a lot of people will tell us that when they're writing a novel then they do like essays to kind of as like a palate cleanser yeah did it feel were you writing those along with writing the rest of it or did you kind of split it up that's a really good question so originally there weren't any legends in here it was just the monsters were in the story Mm -hmm. but then as it as it grew i wanted to have the book in there for them to really um, be able to use clues to find the night witch and then so i had a few and they were just in the text but annie my editor who's amazing she was actually the one that was like let's have more legends Uh and so at that point i was like okay we have so many that we have basically enough to put them in between the chapters and I've never seen anything like that Um, and I thought that that would be something really magical if I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I had a book and it had like a little storybook within the book and and I could kind of follow along and pretend I'm one of the characters trying to find clues to find the monsters 
Um, so it really evolved from there. We didn't include all of the stories that I ended up writing, so I have a few that didn't make it in. Um, but it was really fun because, and it really helped me get like a, um, a big picture of Emblem Island as a world yeah. because these myths are the basis of their culture, of the ceremonies, um, and of the legends of the monsters. That well, are and there. it also, it helps, like, it breaks up a story. I love when books do the whole, like, end a chapter on a cliffhanger yeah. kind of thing, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're reading something di- completely different. Yeah. Time. Like, um, I, I've been lucky enough to talk to a lot of Latinx authors. One of them actually being another source books one, Zorada mm-hmm. Cordova, who I love. Yes, yes. And something I've noticed is, like, all of the stories you grew up with are extremely dark. Oh, completely that's so funny you say that because yes they are extremely dark one of them um is a legend of a woman who is like wrapped around in hair and she uses her hair as like a whip and like it's like they're all very deadly and scary they're all cautionary tales yeah so when my grandma was telling me these stories i was way too young for them we'd always get nightmares and i have a twin (laughs) sister so we'd just be like there sitting and we'd be like why are you telling us these stories and they're dark um they really are yeah they're dark i I love i just love (laughs) the idea of your grandmother being like all right well good night guys no it's that's exactly what she would do and it's all in Spanish she doesn't speak English so uh-huh. I heard all of these um, legends in Spanish when I was a kid and she would fall asleep in the middle of them oh my god and so we we would be like partially scared but also like wake up we want to hear the rest of the story so just like fall asleep at the end of our bed we'd like mm-hmm. kick her and be like wake up yeah yeah well I mean I guess it does make sense like I, I think about the books that I read when I was younger like yeah. I adored Arl Stein which was yeah. nowhere near as scary as the stuff oh, that yeah. sounds like you're <laughs> but like um and the, the tv show on Nickelodeon was are you afraid of the dark oh yeah yeah and these and um, the, the really famous books, the scary stories of telling oh, dark. Those are scary, yeah. And I just think about the fact that, like, I, I don't know why we as kids yeah. somehow were okay with all like growing into those things. I know, yeah. Did you guys have a favorite of the of the stories? So my favorite and um, the story that really um, inspired the world of Emblem yeah. Island, where everyone has these markings. Um, it's called La Niña con la Estrella en la Frente, and mm-hmm. that means the girl with the star on her forehead. And the story is about a girl who um, does the right thing. She follows the rules and she earns a star marking on her forehead. And her sister, who is bad, she does not follow the rules. She breaks the rules and she earns like horns on her. Uh Um, And so the more that the evil sister tries to like scratch the star off of her sister's forehead, the more beautiful it becomes. And the same for the horns, the more she tries to like cut them off, the bigger they become. So I really, I love stars. So like that idea of having a star like on your face was really appealing to me. But also I loved the idea of earning markings mm-hmm. and having those represent something that's good or bad. So that really influenced like the curse that Tor has because yeah. he makes a forbidden wish mm-hmm. and he's not grateful for what he has. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my favorite. <laughs> I'm just imagining you and your twin sister <laughs> yeah. being like, which one is the good one? Which one oh, is the oh, yeah. And I think we definitely have an answer for that. And she, she would say the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny you ask that because the original Grimm tales are very dark. They're like the Colombian legends or like the Latinx myths. Yeah. But they haven't been like watered down by like someone like Walt Disney uh-huh. who, who took them and made them very like kid friendly. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why they're very dark. I think like myths in general mm-hmm. started off really, really dark to, to be cautionary tales to yeah. kids. But these haven't really been like made into cartoons or made into like a kid's <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, they haven't Disneyfied it yet. Yeah. They yeah, there's no like frozen version. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I think I saw in an, an essay that written an interview that you did mm-hmm. that you wrote this in like a few weeks, the initial draft. Yes. So 
I this is not the first book I've written. Mm. I started writing books when I was 13. Yeah. Um, obviously, they were not good. <laughs> um, they were just practice books, but I thought they were amazing. So I like mm-hmm. tried to get an agent right away when I was 13 with this uh, manuscript, and I just kept writing different books. Yeah. So when I went to college, um, I went to Penn actually in Philly. So it's, okay. yeah, it's cool to be back here. Yeah. But um, I wrote more books in college, mm-hmm. and then. Um, this was my sixth book. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to this book, I had written so much, like yeah. millions of words, that I kind of knew the structure, I kind of knew how it went. But this was the first book where I really started getting inspiration from my heritage and the stories mm-hmm. I um, I grew up hearing. So it was really easy to write because it was it was truly the, the stories that I love. And mm-hmm. this world kind of just like created itself in my mind. So by the time I sat down, I knew exactly what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And as a quest, I know where I'm gonna end up. It's not yeah. like an open-ended thing. So I wrote the first draft in a, in a couple of weeks but it was a lot shorter. It was like half the size. Yeah. It didn't have the legends. Um, but the parts that I did write, especially like the first chapter, mm-hmm. are almost exactly the same from yeah. that point. So that was cool. But then obviously like the book got edited multiple times. <laughs> right. Annie helped me a lot. It changed a lot. So it's definitely not the book. This is not a book that I wrote <laughs> in two weeks, uh, the final copy. But the idea and the plot mm-hmm. and the, the main points was something that I wrote very quickly. So did you know, from a, a plotting standpoint, like did mm-hmm. you know where you wanted to end up before mm-hmm. you started writing? Did you kind of have it? I imagine having written the copy, like, yeah. it's like two weeks, you had to have like these, these bullet points, right? Yes, so I knew exactly how it was gonna end up. I knew, um, I didn't really know the middles, but it was such a fun adventure just starting. I knew where I was starting and then I knew where they had to go and so I was just like where what would be a cool character that they would run into what would be a cool place that they would visit and so I would build around Mm -hmm. that and some of there was like a chapter that got cut out um, Mm -hmm. that was one of the original chapters and then I added um, to it but but yeah I knew where I was going and I I, this is like an anomaly I've never like (laughs) I don't just write books in two weeks (laughs) I wish but but that this is I think that's just a testament to this is truly like the book that I was meant to write yeah and I you mentioned it's the first of a series like do you know how you want the series to kind of arc out yes so I have a um full synopsis like I have a full idea of the second book I know exactly what's going to happen um and we'll see if it like continues beyond that Mm -hmm. but I do have like a pretty good idea of what is going to happen in the world and it's interesting not to touch on that because in your first book you want to put everything in there yeah but you can't so I have like little hints and stuff Mm -hmm. that even in the first chapter that I know won't come out for a few books Mm -hmm. um but I think you have to have that or else the other books are going to be disconnected yeah you need you need to like do the world building and plant the seeds and I think of like um Harry Potter's yeah, most famous example. Of like you'll think of things mm-hmm. in those first few chapters, and then they come back in like book six. Like mm-hmm. that. So how did you go? Okay, the, before you wrote the first one, did you have sort of the whole arc? That always, that always fascinates me. Mm-hmm. When someone is building an entire world, and then in addition to building an entire world, you're building an entire arc. So before you even mm-hmm. wrote the first one, did you have kind of the whole? I knew the world of emblems and the markings and the lifelines and the monsters that I wanted in there. I didn't have an idea of the the bigger picture Mm -hmm. um but then by the time i got to the end i did because the the villain in this book Mm -hmm. um is really special and it's she's really kind of she grows throughout this book Mm -hmm. and it's not really what you expect so after i got to that point i really fully fleshed out the night witch the villain in this book Mm -hmm. i i kind of saw the broader picture for how she would be Mm -hmm. in 
the series as a whole. So I think that that really informed like what's going to happen in, in the rest of the books. And I, are you planning on using more kind of Colombian, Colombian myths and legends moving forward? Or? So obviously things could change, and I haven't gone over this with my editor yet, but the second book um, is going to take place like in the ocean. So this is an island, yep. and it's surrounded by an ocean. Mm-hmm. So. I would like to, and I'm not sure if this will happen, I'd like to continue the theme of having uh, myths between the chapters that I write. So this might be more like pirate mythology. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So it might still draw upon some of the monsters. And there are so many Latinx myths, just as there are like Western myths or like European myths. So I'm sure that will inform it. But I think that it's going to be more like water focused. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Listen, I'm just a humble podcast host. (laughs) But if I can throw my suggestion. I I feel like anytime someone tells me that there's a fantasy base and it's like set in water, I'm like, you don't need to tell me anything else. I'm going to read it. I love I love water too and water plays a really big part in this book yeah. too in terms of like what emblem he wants mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I would love for it to be focused on like yeah. the yeah the water aspect so if you could pick an emblem personally uh-huh. oh that's interesting so what would what would you go with what would be yours um so I actually I on my website I made like a what is your emblem quiz yeah. and so because I made it when I took it I was like this isn't fair like I wrote all the responses and I wrote everything um, but truly if I could pick an emblem I think it would be the same one that the main character wants and I think I can say because it it's in the first chapter but he wants water breathing he wants to be able to breathe underwater yeah. he loves the ocean um, and the ocean around his village is really special it's like sapphire blue and all of the um, sea creatures have gigantism so they're all like yeah. really big like giant starfish and like big um, like octopi and stuff so I, I would want that because I grew up in Florida and I've yeah. always been fascinated with the water um, but obviously you don't want to stay in there if you can't see it if you can't <laughs> breathe so I would love to like be able to explore the ocean yeah I'm, I'm right there with you because yeah. having I, I also I love the water but I also have that like weird internal fear of like it, it is so this is like a stupid way of saying yeah. it. it's so deep there's so much down oh, there of course yeah so I do think it would be if you could if you see could and see and yeah that I, would be ideal. Just like scuba, even like scuba diving. When people, yeah. Like I'm just thinking about all the water that would be above me. And yeah. Like, okay. I feel like I'm getting like goosebumps just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, what were the types of books and things that you read growing up? Because it seems like you mm-hmm. definitely knew. You said you're writing books at 13. Like you yeah. certainly knew this is what you wanted yes. for your career. So what were the types of books that you read growing up? So growing up, honestly, until I was about 10, I wasn't the biggest reader Mm -hmm. just because I'm a really slow reader um, because I like to really kind of like feel and picture every word. I'm not like a skimmer. So that kind of held me back. I was like, I'm not a good reader because I can't finish this like huge Harry Potter book in like a few days like my Uh friends can. Um, But as I started reading and finding books that I liked, I really loved Meg Cabot, um, her YA books, and they're not fantasy, so it's, Mm -hmm. she like mostly writes contemporary, but I just loved her voice, and I would just pick up anything that she wrote, Mm -hmm. and she was, I think, the one that inspired me to want to write my own books, um, because I just wanted to to be like her. but yeah, so I, it's interesting because really like I did this as a career and I majored in English and I, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of kids get discouraged if they're not like the fastest reader yeah. or the best reader, but um, 
I, I would just encourage anyone if you like to read, just do more of it and yeah. it'll become easier. Um, and still, I'm not a super quick reader, yeah. which is why I really had to love this book because <laughs> it takes me six hours to read this book um, every time. And even though I know the words and I can probably recite most of the chapters, uh -huh. like I really like to to picture everything and mm -hmm. make sure um, everything has like an image. So it takes me a while to read. I love I love the <laughs> idea that you're saying you're a slow reader, but yeah. you wrote the book in right? two weeks. That's amazing to me. That's so funny. I, yeah, I guess maybe I write faster than I read. Yeah, it sounds that way. But no, I know what you mean. I, yeah. I'm the same way when it comes to reading a book because I'm I very, and maybe it's a lot to do with the fact that I get to speak with the authors, but yeah. when someone hands me a book, I want to like appreciate all of the Definitely. description. I hate when people say like, oh, I read the first and last like sentence of a, a paragraph. Oh, what? Like, but there's so much in the middle. Yeah, no, yeah. I, when you take a time to build a yeah. world out, you want people to kind of yeah. live in it and breathe in it for a little while with you. Yeah, so I either, honestly, I'll either read a whole book or I just won't. Like if I start it and mm. I don't necessarily like it, I just won't. Because it takes me such a long time. It's yeah. really a commitment when I sit down and mm -hmm. read a book. So. Do, you, um, do you find yourself reading any fantasy now? Or? Um, so before I wrote this book, I had never um, written this genre. So before I did, I read like probably 30 books because yeah. I wanted to make sure I knew the genre. Um, so I read a lot when I was originally writing this, but mm -hmm. this was like two years ago. Yeah. So um, I kind of like to read outside of my genre as well. So I really like thrillers. Mm -hmm. I really like like Tana French and like yeah. Gone Girl obviously is like everyone's favorite book, yeah. but I love when a book is really well written and mm -hmm. it has a great plot too. So those are probably the books that I read most frequently. Yeah. Um, I obviously read like Reverie, like Ryan's book was so, <laughs> so good. good. <laughs> that was my favorite like last fantasy book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also like picked up so many books here that I have to Yeah, read. I was gonna say, I'm assuming this is probably your first like, yes. kind of conference situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It can be overwhelming. Yes. Uh, when you just get handed books while you're interviewing I people know. you're walking around. I got Ghost Squad and I was really happy. I think Clarabelle's somewhere over here. Yeah. We're in Las Musas. It's like a Latinx um, group yeah. that um, they let me be a part of like a month ago. So I'm really excited um, to read their books. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's what I'm reading right that's now. That's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, can definitely, I, it can get overwhelming, but in like the yeah. best way possible. Yes. Um, I, it seems like having been so kind of sure that this was what you wanted to do and getting the process going so quick. Did you do a lot of research in like the best way to find a, an agent mm. and go along the process? Because it seems like it's such a mountain to climb if you mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing. Did you, was that part of your, your studying when you were in college or? It wasn't part of my studying in college, but it was 100% my focus as yeah. soon as I um, wrote the first book at 13. Mm -hmm. So Margaret was actually talking about this before, but I, I, got that book from the bookstore a guide to literary mm -hmm. agents or and they have all of the literary agents oh, yeah. in there and so I got it and I was like I'm gonna get an agent and like I highlighted and I sent so many emails and I was 13 I remember like I still have a bad relationship with my inbox because every time I would <laughs> see like a one I'd be like oh my gosh and they were all rejections and so it was yeah. It was kind of hard because I was so young and I got hundreds of rejections. Mm -hmm. But now at this point, like any type of rejection does not phase me yeah. because I'm so used to it. But I was also 13, so I'm glad nothing came of it. And I mm -hmm. did have a few that were interested, 
but truly like I was not ready for that process yeah but yeah so I did a lot of research about agents so much so that I really didn't know what it was like after you got an agent I thought you just get an agent you get published you're done done. done. I was really shocked by like the submissions process because I was so laser focused on getting an agent for Mm -hmm. so long and um in college no one really talked about agents it was more just like you write and I don't know so I think that's something that definitely if you want to do as a career you have to know about Mm -hmm. how to write a query and like it's it's very important to know the process but yeah by the time I got my agent now Laura who's amazing um I really knew how to get one (laughs) what I read all the blogs and like query shark and everything yeah I'm just I'm trying to picture myself at 13 and just being like I can't I mean I I am so blown away by that, of like knowing at that age. I like to joke people. I'm like, I'm in my 30s now. I still don't mm-hmm. know what I want to quote yeah. unquote do for a living. That's just amazing. That makes that's so fascinating that yeah. you were so like sure of that. And you seem like when people who like they follow you on social media and things like you really seem to understand how important that is for marketing yourself. And we're talking about you in front of you right now are these incredibly just like gorgeous visuals of the, the book. And so, do you like? Is that something that? you knew along the way like okay I'm gonna use social media as a way to kind of get my name out there speaking of Ryan who's another person who's just absurd um, all of the places a hundred percent so I I think because it took so long to get here and get the book deal and Mm -hmm. and I really truly love the story that when I got it I was like I'm not gonna let this opportunity go to waste so I've really like since I got my book deal built Mm -hmm. my following and used any platform possible to like connect with my audience so that's been really important just because I feel like when you do all this work your job is not over marketing is such a big (laughs) part of it and so um, what you were referring to is we have like sticker sheets with the characters in magnetic page clips and these are actually pre-order gifts so if anyone pre-orders them they get the magnetic book clips or the stickers so I just thought I wanted to bring the world to life and I was so lucky Sourcebooks gave me the best cover I could have possibly imagined. Oh, it's imagined. gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's amazing. And I had zero input. Everyone always asks, like, oh, did you, like, suggest? I yeah. had no. They just sent it finished, which I'm happy because I'm yeah. kind of a perfectionist. So I would have been like, oh, why don't you let me draw the cover? And I have no artistic <laughs> abilities whatsoever. I'm not an artist or anything. But I would probably, like, go on Canva and be like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. And so I'm so glad somehow they knew don't show her the oh cover until it's done so they just emailed it to me finish and i'm so lucky that it is absolutely gorgeous the colors everything i, I when yeah. it arrived at my office i audibly gasped. really i was like oh my god this is beautiful yeah. yeah so when i got this i was like we have to do something else with the characters mm-hmm. so that's what's on the page clips are the characters and then um the stickers are like different like this is the curse and, yeah yeah i'm so this is i'm like blown away by all of this um so towards the end of our podcast we always ask nine lighthearted questions that i call the nerd nine i like alliteration yeah. <laughs> uh so the first one is what's the last book you finished reading so probably reverie because i've started a bunch of books yeah. since then but that was the one again that i i only finished books i really really like because i'm such a slow reader and yeah. reverie was amazing so <laughs> shout out to ryan like that was the yeah the last he's, book I really... uh, he's an yeah. incredible human being um what is your favorite place to read? Hmm. It's pr- 
probably, I haven't been in college in a little bit, but I used to love reading on Penn's campus. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. And I would just like go in an old building and read. Nowadays, I just read um, in a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been trying to read my own book, like kind of just go (laughs) through it because I'm dying for someone to ask me about it. Um, No one has yet, but. (laughs) It will happen. As soon as it's released, it will happen. Yeah. Uh, Do you, and we kind of talked about this before, but do you remember the book that sort of made you fall in love with books when you were growing up? And I mentioned Mm -hmm. Meg Cabot before. I think. In terms of like a story, it was definitely my grandma's stories. Um, it, obviously, that's not a written book. More, most of that is like an oral tradition, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, but I think the books were Meg Cabot. Just yeah. the fact that she could write those books and that I liked the author and she had many books. It just was fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, what is one place you like to travel to that you have not yet been to? Uh, I really want to go to Iceland. Mm-hmm. I want to go, is it called the Blue Lagoon? Like the, the really yeah. blue. There's like a scene in here where there's like a really blue like pool of water. Uh-huh. And I just, I want to go there. I yeah. feel like I feel like it kind of looks like a few settings in, mm-hmm. in the book. So I, I want to go. See, I can yeah. see that, yeah. Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? I really like Halloween, mm-hmm. probably because I grew up with all these like dark, <laughs> twisting monster I know, and yeah, so we celebrated Halloween um, a lot when I was a kid. My parents would decorate the the house like completely, mm-hmm. and now I have little cousins who are Colombian, and their names are John Carlos and Luna. I dedicated the book yeah. to them, and they love Halloween. Uh-huh. So I actually I go every year to Florida like to celebrate with them. So probably Halloween. Now here's an important question: Did you <laughs> and your twin sister ever go as like the same costume ever? Mm-hmm. No, we were always opposites. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so, but, I mean, we got enough of it, because until we were 10 years old, we dressed the same against yeah. our will. So, uh, I, I think during Halloween, we were like, we just don't want to be twins anymore. Like, we'll dress up with something else. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. My twin has the cutest, like, little poodle. His name uh-huh. is Leo, and I'm obsessed with him. So, definitely <laughs> dogs, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite food? Uh, um... Probably, um, I guess it's not a food, but in Colombian food, they always have, like, you have your regular meal, but then you have a straight-up smoothie as your drink. Uh-huh. Like, as your water, it's just a smoothie. That's it's like amazing. this giant. So, Hugo de Mora, it's like blackberry juice, I guess, and it's mm-hmm. this beautiful pink drink, and mm-hmm. that's my favorite food, that's I guess. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll accept yeah. <laughs> uh, Last one of these. Uh, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Uh-huh. Okay, I prepared for this question because I listened to this. Uh-huh. That makes me so happy because I always I, feel so bad when I ask this, I and know. then the authors just give me this dead stare, like, "Come on." This is really a question that I had to prepare because I have <laughs> I have no idea. But the answer I prepared was Walt Disney because we were oh, yeah. talking about before. I just in college I studied English, but I also was a consumer psych minor, mm-hmm. and so I really loved the intersection between like business and creativity. Uh-huh. And I think that's where the marketing comes in too. Like publishing is a business as much as it is like an art. Mm-hmm. So I really love. Obviously, he's like the the person who commercialized yeah. legends and, and made them kid friendly and has like this big empire. So I, I really admire like what he did, um, and I think that there's room for someone like in this generation to do it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, like a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, that's perfect. Uh, last question for you: What do you hope readers take away from reading your book? Um, I really hope that they see that legends from like a culture that they might not have heard of can be just as like familiar and that they can learn to love the same legends I did growing up um, I mentioned them before but my cousins like they're growing up with the same culture I did and they speak mainly Spanish and it's just important to me that like the stories that they grow up hearing at home they see like reflected in some sort of book that maybe their friends are reading 
Um, so that's that's important to me. And also, these are legends that my grandma used to tell me such a long time ago. And the fact that they're now like in a book is really important. Um, that they're kind of printed so other people can discover them. That is perfect. Alex, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. My first podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want it to end. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.